Feast Sunday. And for those of you who are visiting, uh, for us, a Feast Sunday is centered around the Lord's table. Uh, rather than me preach and uh, take the time, we actually gather around this meal as a message. But also, we also take this time to honor the priesthood of all believers. And so Dan is uh, ready to share a devotion with us this morning. And um, yeah, Dan, please. So uh, it's more than just a devotion. It's also sort of a report back from a camp that I went to um, three weeks ago. Um, and uh, it's a camp that I had been to 40 years ago. It was the first time that I came out from Ontario, came out west, um, and served at Crows and Snake Bible Camp for the summer uh, when I was just 18. And so now I've been there, involved with it quite often since then, but... This was the first time in a long time that I was going back to volunteer as a worship coordinator. And there's something that some of you know about me, but many of you will find surprising, is that in my core, I'm a really insecure person. I have doubts, I have fears, I have apprehensions. And when I was driving over to the pass um, uh, three weeks ago uh, on Monday, I, I was wrestling with God about those things. And one of the things I was wrestling with was how is it that I a 58-year-old man, out of shape, going to be able to relate to a bunch of high school kids? How am I going to be able to help them? How am I going to be able to lead them in songs? Because at camp, there's silly songs that you have to do, and some of those I don't know, as well as some new camp favorites, and I didn't know those. How am I going to learn those? So there's a lot of apprehension about that. And the first lesson that God taught me over that time was on the drive there. And he gave me the verse from 1 Timothy 4.16 that says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And then he spun it around on me. He said, Dan, don't you look down on yourself because you are old but set an example for them. The second lesson came at the very first night that I was there. I, I arrived three days before my camp session was starting. The camp runs multiple sites, and the site that I was at was called the Mountain Site. They have their main site on the lake site, and their, that camp begins three days before the Mountain Site camp did. And I intentionally went three days early because I wanted to learn some of these new camp songs. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to try and learn some of the silly songs. And so I went to the first campfire at the lake site, and I watched this young gal. She was a cabin leader. I'm guessing she's about 18 or 19. Oh, can I do this? So she was leading a song. That is not me. I cannot do that. Why am I here? They also did some not silly songs. They did some worship songs. And one of them is a beautiful song. They sang a cappella, which is called Let Us Adore. 
And I'm hoping, I'm not going to sing that for you right now, I'm hoping that someday we can actually teach that to you, because it's just, it's a wonderful song. But I watched her move with enthusiasm and passion, and I looked at her and I said, that was me 40 years ago. And I saw how the kids loved it. And as I'm walking through the, the courtyard and the parking lot, or towards the parking lot after the campfire, I was saying to God, Lord, I, I cannot do this. That is not me. Why am I here? And he walked and said, said to me, the only reason you think you can't do this is because of your ego. He gave me the passage from 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23, where Paul talks about becoming all things to all people so that by all possible means some might be saved. And I wrestled briefly with God as I walked through the playing field to the parking lot about my ego. And I committed to God that I would become foolish. I would participate in the silly songs so that I would not be a stumbling block to campers. And at the campfires, it was hard because I didn't know these songs. And yes, I did that out of breath. And thankfully, there's no video. <laughs> the... Uh, the third lesson that I learned through that was that you're not alone. Coming away from the first campfire, I went back to my cabin at the mountain site and I said, God, I, I don't know some of these songs. Um, the songs that I have, I had a repertoire of 30 songs that I wanted to do and I'd gone through the camp songbook and I'm going, a lot of those songs aren't in there. I can't teach 30 new songs to campers in one week. I need to be able to parse out throw out the songs that I can't do, even though I might like them. I need to be able to bring in the camp songs that are camp favorites. And how am I going to do all this and be prepared in three days? I felt like I had jumped into a rushing river and I was sinking and I was going over my head. And God said, you're not alone. I've got you. And in the couple days between that first campfire and when my camp actually started, there was a cabin leader who was staying at the mountainside as well named Cody. Cody's about 20 years old. Cody plays guitar, mandolin, banjo. I think he plays just about anything he wants to put his mind to. And Cody and I worked through chopping out most of the songs in my repertoire and bringing in some of the camp favorite songs. And he tried to teach me how to play some of them. And on the second day of camp, God gave me a picture of Cody and said, you jumped in over your head. But I've got you, and Cody's this life jacket that's going to keep your head above water. Your job is to kick the feet and move the hands and swim to shore. You're here for a purpose. Your job is to do that. Cody's going to keep your head above water. You're not alone. And then the fourth lesson came two weeks ago on a Sunday. And it's about the power of prayer and community. And two weeks ago, at the prayers of the people here, you folks prayed for me. Because what had happened is at the camp, our speaker had a family emergency come up, and they weren't able to teach their teaching series on the Sunday. And I was given the task at the staff meeting at 7 o'clock in the morning, can you teach the chapel time at uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon? So I had about three or four hours to prepare. I said, great, where's her notes? They said, 
she's got them with her in High River. We don't have notes. So can you kind of pick up what she's been teaching? And we need to introduce Moses and the sacrificial system. And I thought, oh no, I cannot do this. And so I quickly left the staff meeting, hiked up to the hill where we got cell coverage, sent a text to Jason and Diane and said, help. I said, I need prayer. Knowing, and I told Jason this when I got back, I sent that text with no doubt that you folks were going to pray for me. I had to prepare three hours, a 40-minute talk that was about the sacrificial system, the verse, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. That was the principle. And weave that from the Garden of Eden, through Cain and Abel, through Noah, to Abraham, to Isaac's sacrifice, to Moses, to the Passover, to the tabernacle. I had to prepare that kind of talk from scratch, and I had to do it in three hours, and then give it in 40 minutes to a bunch of high school kids, and not bore them to tears. I needed your prayer. And you guys prayed for me. And you were praying, given the time difference, you were praying at the exact time that I was sitting in my little cabin writing away notes on my computer. We gave that talk, and it was a speed sermon. God gave me the idea to tell the kids, okay, we've got this race that we have to do, we've got a lot of material to cover, and I need your help. I'm not going to just be up here preaching to you. We're going to engage. And so there was a lot of Q&A. And God gave me questions on the fly. I had my material. He gave me questions on the fly to ask them and engage them. And before we knew it, 40 minutes were up, and we had finished a quick two-minute flyover of what the tabernacle was and all the symbols in there. And I just walked away from that time because I'd seen these kids engage for 40 minutes. And I'm going, God, how? How? And he said, the prayers of the people. Which brings us here. Jason said that we're, we come to this table, but we don't come to this table by ourselves. We don't come individually. We're called to Christ individually. We answer that call individually. No one can answer that call for you. You have to answer that call. But we come as individuals into a body, into a communion of saints. Christian community transcends distance and time. I was serving a couple mountain ranges east of here. While you were praying, we, you and I, we're preparing a sermon lesson that impacted kids. It reminded me of what Jason preached about a few months ago in First Peter. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are like living stones. You come individually, but you're like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We come to the table 
as individuals, but we eat as a community. God calls us as individuals, but we share this common unity, this communion as a community. We come proclaiming his death even as his life pulsates in our lives. We come looking forward to the hope we have of his return. Thanks, Dan. I was thinking some as as Dan was speaking. A few